Friends, welcome to another episode of the Free to Love podcast. This is, in fact, our last episode of season two. Cue drum roll, cymbals clanging. So I wanted to take a moment and just say thank you. Thank you to each of you who have listened along as we've explored the healing journey, as we endeavor to move from pain to peace, becoming uh, more loving people. It has been such a joy for Jeff and Jen and I to sit down and to record these conversations and to release them to you. It's been an even greater joy to see the impact that they've had, to hear some of the stories about how this has served as a resource and a place of encouragement and understanding and help and support for those of us that have said yes to the healing journey. I also want to apologize briefly and say I know that at times uh, the release schedule of this had no logic and there was months in between episodes coming out. I'm excited to announce that we are about to embark on recording season two of the Free to Love podcast and I pledged you here and now that we will try our very best to release that in a timely and an ordered fashion so that this can be a regular part of your practice of becoming a more loving person. So speaking of becoming, that's our final episode and our final conversation on the season one of the Free to Love podcast. Each of us has an innate desire to become, to grow, and to change. Somewhere along the way, many of us have experienced something that warps that, that narrows our vision and pulls the horizon of hope down towards Uh, a smaller person. The question for each of us is what are you becoming? A more loving person? A deep or a shallow person? As I mentioned before, the central question at the heart of this podcast is are you becoming a more loving person? Over time, day in, day out, month after month, year after year, are you growing in your depth and your capacity? to give and receive love. We believe that because God is love and we are created in his image, this is at the heart of the human experience. We also believe that this is a thrilling journey, not a joyless slog. This is an organic emergence, not a torturous white-knuckled affair. It may begin and it always does require our effort and our intention. But as we dive deeper into this, we discover that what is really at work here beyond the power of our choice is a partnership with the power and grace of God who is transforming us from the inside out. In this week's conversation, we explore this theme of becoming. We explore practical steps to facilitate our participation in that journey of becoming. We explore how it's impossible for us to grow in our becoming without discovering our dependence on God. And we reflect on the vital importance of this truth that we cannot do this alone. We are not alone. We do not have to be alone. And the role that sacred community and spiritual disciplines play in supporting our journey in becoming. Friends, thank you for joining us for the conversation this week on Becoming. I realized something. I realized that you, sir, 
are just a greedy, greedy little dragon. <laughs> that defines a narcissist right there. You're just, you, you've been, you just sit over there on this pile of gold and you, you haven't been sharing it. <laughs> and that's rude. So today, today we are going to, I'm sorry, but Jen and I are going to storm the mountain. <laughs> You're the evil dragon Gosh. smog, and we're just two little hobbits. Oh my god! And we're gonna come, and we're I hope you're not taping this. <laughs> we're gonna steal some of your gold. Oh, I am absolutely taping this. Oh, and this oh is gonna end gosh. up in the episode. A greedy little dragon. <laughs> that's Sitting the on subtitle. your mountain of gold. Yeah, that's the subtitle of my book. That, that's gonna be the title of this episode: is uh, um, raiding the dragon's lair. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, Hey, because it's technically the last, I'm in a break tradition and say, Jen, would you please pray for us? Ooh, whoa. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord, I thank you so much for who you are and how you love us and how you're filling this space right here and right now. And would you anoint each one of us afresh with your spirit? Mm-hmm. You... Lord, are truly the one with all the treasure and that we are mining and that we may share it. So help us to be good stewards right now of this opportunity and of the things that you have taught us, of your word, of your heart. God, would you anoint Jeff afresh? Would you anoint Joseph afresh? Would you anoint me afresh? Um, Help us to just give us the words to inspire and uh, help. And I do pray that as people listen, there is healing that takes place. And that people truly do walk away from all of this more free to love. Mm. And we thank you. I thank you for this really amazing team. Mm -hmm. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Jeff, Jennifer, I think, I think that this might be our, the last episode of season one. Wow. Wow. Which I think, <laughs> if, if my math is correct, uh, puts us at 20 episodes. This wow. has been amazing. I know. It's been fun, you guys. I know. And I can't believe that it took to the very last episode for me to realize that well, we got to change the name of the podcast. It can't be Free to Love, Transforming Pain to Peace. It's got to be... Um, Two dwarves and a greedy dragon, because <laughs> as I, you know, realized earlier greedy when we're dragon? talking that Jeff, you are just this greedy little dragon okay. who's been for years sitting on this po- this pile of gold, just hoarding it, you know. And um, so well, this that's that's your really- observation. I think I'm sitting on other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah, you know, Jen and I. No disrespect to us, and it's really you're probably also. A dragoness. Oh, no, no, no. We are little um, dwarves here. Yeah, we're, we're the dwarves that have been storming your mountain and raiding the gold and dragging it out and giving it away to the people. Well, you know, a lot of wisdom comes out of uh, failure. Yeah. <laughs> so the oh. more you fail, the you more know, you learn. It's grow. true. Yeah, that's I've, I I've just been doing this a lot longer than yeah, you guys have. You're, you're a pro <laughs> at failure. Oh, that's God. true. Which brings us and to... And the question is, what do you do with your failure? Exactly. Which, yeah. is, which is our final kind of conversation today is we're exploring this theme... The last chapter in the curriculum, the courses, you know, is on called Becoming. Mm. And so you invite us, uh, which is what we're going to focus on today, to reflect on the process 
of transformation that we've been exploring and try and name and put some language around uh, how do we become a more loving person? Because yeah. that's really what this all is yeah. about. Yeah. You know, it's in the title of the podcast. It's our own hope. It's it's really the longing that is in every person's heart. I think that this part of what it means to be created in the image of God is that we actually have a fundamental longing to become loving people because yeah. God is love. Yeah. You know, Joseph, I was thinking about being a marriage and family pastor, and I've done a lot of weddings. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, so where have I heard the word becoming Ooh. in the context? Yes. And I was thinking about it in weddings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, becoming in the context of the wedding ceremony is we call it the expression of intent. Mm -hmm. expression of intent. And so what we say is that marriage is the journey of two becoming one. Mm -hmm. So using that, the marriage as a symbolic of the deeper and richer picture of becoming Mm -hmm. transformed the image of Christ Mm -hmm. is really manifested in the marriage ceremony. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about, so marriage is the journey of two becoming one flesh well, and transformation is the journey of a believer becoming one with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the Christian fellowship, the community, is the journey of two believers becoming one in Christ. So it's this amazing, beautiful, kind of a mystical mystery, uh, picture mm-hmm. of the journey of becoming more like Christ, becoming one in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming more Christ-like. Now... Some people might think that that might sound not so appealing. Let's just be really, really honest. <laughs> yeah. People are like, oh, be more like Jesus. I don't know that everybody's yeah, on board with right. that. That might sound kind of dull or boring or like, oh, I'm going to just have to walk around in sandals and be like, yeah. calm and peaceful. <laughs> and, and people are like, I like to rock out. I like to yeah. do these things. Uh-huh. Um, so the very notion of becoming more Christ-like may not on the surface um, appeal, but I think, think about what we're actually saying there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we're saying that the spirit of the living God, as a believer, the spirit lives in us. Uh, it says it all over the Bible. First John is full of it. How the spirit that, gosh, I'm just going to read it to you. Yeah. It well, says, can you do that on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Go um, to the source. We know this is first John four, verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And because of that spirit in us, we get to become and grow and transform from our old self to our new self where the old is broken off of us and we become more and more like Christ. And why that's a beautiful thing is because think of all the fruit of the spirit, people. Mm, Like everything that you really long for in your day to day, you want more peace, you want more calm, you want to be able to laugh joyfully Mm -hmm. at the things that happen around you. Do you not want to get stuck or bogged down or feel like, oh my gosh, this is so chaotic and overwhelming? Um, I'm just thinking of the other, the other fruit, right? Gentleness, kindness, self-control. Yeah. Yeah. All these, think about that in the best ways. Um, Elsewhere, it says, you know, think of what is lovely, what is pure, uh-huh. what is beautiful, what is um, all those things. That's what goodness. Um, imagine living in that state totally. and being able to interpret the world around you from the lens of Christ mm-hmm. um, and how that might change your experience mm-hmm. of today. That's what I yeah. think. That's why I think it's a draw to become more Christ like. Totally. And I, lo- I love how you named for us that a lot of people, 
because they carry around a caricaturized view of mm-hmm. Christ, which is the, you know, the blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, sort of like hippy dippy kind of dumb, you know, like peaceful <laughs> Jesus or whatnot, yep. uh, which is so not him. I mean, Jesus is the, the most exciting human in, yeah. um, like you think guy was a partier. I mean, he, uh, he, you know, he, he ate, with he ate and drank oh with sinners, you know, yeah. and with people who were, were not safe and good and religious. And he, you know, he goes on crazy like vision quests in the desert. And I mean, in seminary, I, I bartended and I'd have people realize like, wait, at so, the seminary, you bartended at the seminary, not at the seminary. Okay. All right. We weren't that <laughs> Fuller wasn't that liberal, uh, but people would find out and they're like, wait, so you, are you, are you studying to become a priest? I'm like, no. They're like, the what? And I was like, well, maybe, maybe a pastor. And they're like, are you allowed to be doing this, like serving me? And I was like, well, Gospel of John, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine for a bunch of people yeah. who'd been drinking for a week. And he made really good wine. So, I, I mean, that's a funny anecdote. But the point in me responding that way was that, hey, people had this wrong perception of me as a seminarian and as a Christian. And they also had this false conception of God and what it, it meant, you know, like you, the process of becoming a new self isn't, you don't become this perfect, peaceful, you know, boring, bland, banal person. No, no, no. no. Right. You, you come yeah. more fully alive and you, like you mentioned, man, yes, I want all the things that you meant, you, you named for us. And I, I forget which passage it is, but you know, we were given, we're not given a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but of power, love, sound mind, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's not, so the, the image that we want to, we're holding up for ourselves, when we talk about becoming more conformed to the image of Christ, it is this exciting, vitally alive, really empowered, dynamic way of moving through the world when you're in union and partnership with God. Yeah. yeah. Not I mean, living out of the, the old self, but the and, new and self. If you think about, if you think about the compass of true transformation is love, I mean, that should not be boring Yeah, because we never, ever can arrive. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing process. And I've been focusing on, uh, in Luke chapter six, on, to me, I've read, I cannot tell how many times I've read this passage, but I've been so disconnected to it because I cannot relate to it. It's mm. so, it's so almost to me impossible to live by, mm. which just reveals to me the really, what does the process look like? And so I think about when Jesus said, you need to love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Mm. I mean, just focus on that. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek. I mean, it's so radical. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can know this by theory. Mm-hmm. You can know it intellectually. Mm-hmm. You can understand it theologically. Mm-hmm. But living it, yes. yeah. that's the challenge. Yeah. And we're talking about becoming, which is a process of transformation and change. And I think of it almost like from the inside out, mm. but it's, it's living Christ-like. It's, doing, it's living like that, Jeff, like what you just read, not because we have to, and not because there's some um, goody two-shoes like mold that we're now like having to live into out of forced obligation because we mm. say we love Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, is an, it is a process of transformation, little by little, of the the yuck 
the sinfulness, the brokenness inside of us getting healed, getting broken off, getting redeemed. And because of when you're not, if you've been listening with us all this time, you know that we've been talking about things that how our wounds and our brokenness cause us to do things that we don't even love to mm-hmm. do. We don't even want to be doing them. Yeah. We do these coping mechanisms. We do all these behaviors. We we view things and talk to people and treat people in these ways that um, just perpetuate sin and, and brokenness. What we're talking about is as we heal, as God heals mm-hmm. these parts of ourselves, we no longer want to even mm-hmm. do those things. Yeah. That's part of this becoming process is we are slowly changing as we are healing, as we are being redeemed, that our behaviors no longer look the same. Yeah. So it's not this forced yeah. behavior modification. It is a natural um, process of changing from the inside out where my heart is now different. Yeah. My view is now different. My worldview is now different. My perspective is now different. I don't view you the same, so I don't speak to you the same as I used to. Because mm-hmm. now I have a different lens through which I see you, mm-hmm. a lens of, of, that's more like Christ. And so my language changes. My heartbeat changes. My mentality changes. It's I am becoming yeah. mm-hmm. um, naturally, organically, truly, and genuinely becoming yeah. more like Christ, thanks to the mm-hmm. spirit of him who lives in us. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to, to redeem, to become like Christ, it isn't about just rehabilitating the mm-hmm. old self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We cannot, it's not about just working harder, getting a better workout, eating right, mm-hmm. disciplining ourselves. At the essence of the gospel of spirituality and becoming more like Christ is really death, mm-hmm. is taking mm-hmm. up your cross and following him. Mm-hmm. And that's the big challenge because we cannot do that on our own. And I think about it, the, the new, really the new commandment, which really brought forth the new covenant when Christ came on the scene and he says, love your enemies. Well, I'm not even good at loving my neighbor. And I'm not good at loving my neighbor if I can't even love my wife like I need to love my wife. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you want to talk about love my enemies? I'm still trying to love my wife, but you know what? I'm having a good time loving my wife because I don't even like myself. Yeah. So that's the essence of true true Christianity is how do I learn to discover and experience and embrace how much God loves me because mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. only because God loves me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I give a really, okay. So really practical example Yeah. from my own story. So, um, <clears throat> you know, for, for years, um, having, not, having, I lived from a place of shame and self-rejection, like you just were naming. I, I didn't love myself. One of the ways that that manifested was that I, I would abuse alcohol and nicotine. That was one of the things I would use to cope with the fact that I, I didn't like myself, I didn't love myself, um, you know, that I didn't like my life circumstances, X, Y, Z, whatever. You get the point, right? Um, but I also, I, I also wanted to be a healthy person and like active and I'm athletic and I like doing stuff. And so I, I would run. And I, it was, I did this running challenge with a group of buddies. We we're like, Hey, it's just, it was just, can you run 500 miles in, in an, a year? So that's just, it's like nine miles a week. So it's three, three mile runs, you know, a week is totally doable. And for some people, for some people, <laughs> yes. Uh, but so 
from that place of brokenness, my old self, having yet to say yes to the healing journey that God, that God would invite me on, um, I'm sitting here and I, I'm staying up too late. I'm drinking too many beers. You know, I'm smoking cigarettes and I, then I will wake up in the morning and I'll go on a five mile run, which is absolutely just killing myself. You know, it, I'm, I'm running from a place of shame mm, because wow. I'm like, man, I call myself a Christian and yet I hate the way, the fact that I'm, I'm, I don't know how to get out of this shame. And I, so I, I numb myself and now, but I feel bad for doing that. So I need to punish myself by doing something that is good for me, quote unquote, healthy, it's running. Mm -hmm. And it was all miserable. So of course that didn't lead to a lifestyle change. Now, fast forward, you know, I don't know, six years or something. And it's me now I've rediscovered running in the last four months or so. Um, and it's a joy in part because mm. it's no longer coming. Like God has dealt with the, the old self. Yeah. I am, mm-hmm. I've said yes to this journey of becoming, I've experienced a lot of healing and freedom. And, um, my motivation, the heart desire there is now a fundamentally positive one of saying, yeah. well, actually, yeah. man, I love being alive and I love being healthy and I love, and then it's like, I, I don't have to punish myself, um, because I've because I've accepted that I love myself because, yeah. because God loves me. And so now I'm free to do, I'm free to run or not run. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, and it doesn't have to be from this like kind of a, a compulsive, addictive w- workout sort of yeah. capacity. You're running not as self-punishment anymore. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, honestly, that's when I worship a ton. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I oftentimes will stop mid run because I'm just, I'm, I'm weeping because I'm, so grateful for my life and for who God is. Yeah. yeah. The, the key, one of the words that you mentioned is in which to me is a great, is a distinction between living what I would say, living from the inside out mm. or living from our heart and learn how to go from our head to our heart. Mm-hmm. And as we've been talking about, how do you put off the old man and put on the, on the new man is one of the major characteristics, the difference between compulsive living and compassionate living. And I think when we're living out of our flesh, mm. even we can be religious in our efforts, but we're, we're doing it out of compulsivity yeah. and not out of our heart. We're, li- we're, we're not doing it from a place of compassion. So what I'm listening to you talk is that in our own guilt and shame is that we can be very religious compulsively by trying to make up for our mistakes, yes. by working harder to overcome it. But we know we really know there's no peace in that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's still, it's still that performance driven. Yeah. I, it reveals that we believed this lie, which is that I have to perform to receive God's love. You know, um, I am bad. God is angry at me. I have to do X, Y, Z so that he will then be pleased with me, which is the old Testament like equation, you know, in, in many ways it's, Hey, that's the sacrificial system. That's the quote unquote law, you know, but the law of grace is that the equation is flipped. It's like, no, no, no. God loves us, forgives us, accepts us, which frees us to our act of repentance is actually just a, a response, a worshipful mm-hmm. response yeah. of owning where we, we, we yeah. missed the mark, where we fall short you know, um, where I, I have not yet fully become mm-hmm. Christ, um, my, my best self, you know, um, that's why these practices and spiritual disciplines yeah. are so important, yeah. you know, so that's where I kind of want us yeah. to move. How do you guys see, um, 
this process of receiving God's love and being transformed is something that we cannot achieve on our own. Like you said before, this isn't about rehabilitating mm-hmm. the old self. It's about realizing that that self has to die because a new self has to be born. So how do we partner with God in the process of becoming? Mm. Uh, I think I want to get really practical here Good. because um, I run into a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm now aware I'm aware of Mm. my stuff. I'm aware of some of the lies that I believe. I'm aware of the unhealthy habits that I have. I'm aware of the anxious thoughts. I'm aware of the stuff that I'm doing. And I see the good that God is offering over here. I just don't know how to get from here to there. That's good. Um, And so awareness itself is not going to change you. Mm-hmm. Awareness is key because mm-hmm. it's hard to change something that you're not aware of. Yes. So it's worth it, everyone, it's worth it to do the hard work mm-hmm. of looking back yeah. at your past, of uncovering some of these things that maybe you swept under the rug. It is valuable to do the work of digging and excavating some of your past wounds mm-hmm. um, and why you are the way you are, right? Okay. So self-awareness is very helpful, but that's just step one, Okay. Step one is realizing those things and then you, so that you become aware of it. And then we have talked about in the course of the skills material, in the course of these podcasts, naming some of those lies that we mm-hmm. have internalized. And we've talked about how you need to div- like figure out what is actually the truth. What is the truth that Jesus says when you bring that lie to him, what is the truth that he says in response to that lie? Now, just reviewing for you, these, the truth, it comes, yes, it comes from Jesus, the voice of God. You have the whole word of God that you can dig into mm-hmm. to find what is true and what is real. What does he really say about these things? You also have affirmations and confirmations from wonderful people, believing people around you who will also back you up on what is true. And there's a big question mark. You're like, well, it says Jesus loves me. It says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you have others around you who can be like, yes, that's awesome. That's actually true. Mm-hmm. God does do that. He did make you fearfully yeah. and wonderfully made. Um, but at some point, we have to internalize and choose to believe that truth for mm-hmm. ourselves. So here are the... There's a couple, there's a couple of different ways you can say it. Okay. I like, um, in the skills material, it says, first, you're going to reveal what is that lie, mm-hmm. reveal the lie and why you do what you do. Oh my goodness. I'm thinking that I'm worthless right now. Mm. And when I feel worthless, I want to escape. I want to go run away from everyone I want to push people away, so I will get very sarcastic with everyone, and or I'll get needy and whiny, whatever your coping is. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next thing you need to do is you need to, so you call it out. The lie I'm believing right now is I'm worthless. You test it. Does that thought or feeling line up with God's truth about me? So you test that lie. Is it true that I'm worthless? What does God say about that? Joseph and Jeff are looking at me. They're like, clearly, God says. That you have worth and value. <laughs> Jen, you so are you badly broken, great, but <laughs> deeply loved. <laughs> but you test that lie and then you refute it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go, so right there, okay, people, 
This is where the rubber meets the road. You're aware of your stuff. You bring that lie to the Lord and you go, okay, I'm feeling like I'm worthless. God says that I'm not. Now you, there's a fork in the road right there, everyone. You have a choice. You can continue in this moment to keep believing the lie, or you can believe the truth of what God says. And it's so ingrained in us to choose the lie. Mm. But just for the next five seconds, believe the truth. Mm-hmm. What if you just chose yeah, the what truth? If? What if? Yeah. What if you yeah. just... You have two options. Mm-hmm. Which one do you want to believe for the next five seconds? But Jen, the feeling of the lie is way more powerful than the feeling of this truth that I'm struggling to believe. <laughs> that I don't even have, I don't even feel that mm. <laughs> at times. That's part of the um, the retraining, the rewiring in mm-hmm. our brain, yeah. the renewing of our minds. That's the faith adventure. And we're so in the habit, we know what that old yuck feeling feels like, the shame feeling. And so that feeling does feel bigger sometimes than the way the truth feels. But this is where we get to press in and you um, press into the Lord and Every one of those experiences where he's, because God is so kind that he will confirm this truth for you. It's not just um, a nice thought to think God really loves me, but I, you, what is the truth you need to know? And you go back through your life and you go, when has God shown me this? Mm-hmm. When have I experienced this? Because mm-hmm. as broken as our lives may be, I know because I know God, there are glimmers. There are moments in your life when you really, really dig and do the hard work and you say, and you pray about it. You go, like, God, show me where you were in all these moments. Yeah. Show me that I was not alone. Show me that you really are here with me. You take those true things that you need to know that he says are true and say, show me that I will feel them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in that moment, when the fork is right there before you, the choice in the road, um, do I want to believe this or do I want to believe this? You say, okay, today I'm going to choose the truth. For the next five minutes, I'm just going to choose to believe that I really am fearfully, wonderfully made. Yeah. Okay. And you believe, you think it, you meditate on it until you can feel it in your body physically. Because honestly, your body should, your countenance should yeah. change if you're really walking that truth. And so you feel that come over you. And for the next five minutes, you just walk it out. Mm-hmm. You walk out as if that were true. Yeah. Believe it. And that, honestly, folks, I know it doesn't, it sounds very, very simple, mm-hmm. but doing that process over and over and over again is one of the most transformative ways we rewrite our brains and replace those lies with the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've paraphrased it with, you catch it, catch what you're doing, catch that lie, you confront it, mm-hmm. you choose the truth, and then you walk it out. Mm. That's awesome. And what you're describing right there is the the discipline, the inner discipline of our new nature, our new spirit man talking to the old nature, mm. which is our old flesh. So we're have we have to learn an inner dialogue of how our spirit man needs to speak truth to our flesh and our outer man. So that's that's that theological premise of how do we become more like Jesus Christ. So there's that inner discipline of self-talk, yeah. there's that inner discipline of taking authority, living from out of our inner being, and we need to make an agreement with the Father of how the Father sees us in order for us to become the person God wants us to be. Yes. 
Yes. Totally. I, I'm glad that you said that there's an inner monologue because I've got one all the time running around my yeah. head and I'm like, am I alone in this? No, guys, you cool? realize that makes you crazy. You guys need <laughs> therapy. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. Multi-personality sort of. No. Yeah, I don't, I, don't have, I don't have two voices in my head. I yeah. have 12. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it, the process always sounds, um, but people will go like, that's it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's it can be very challenging to catch yourself when you're living in your flesh yeah. and when you're living in your old stuff, when yeah, you're in yeah. your pain cycle. Mm-hmm. So that alone is, that's the, kind of that awareness piece. You go, oh my gosh, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? Yeah. What am I afraid of right now? You trace it and you go, oh, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then to confront that, that thought with the truth of God, um, man, that's, it's truly spiritual warfare. Yeah, it it is, is a battle. Absolutely. It, this is not lightweight work, people. This is yeah. tough stuff and it is extremely profound that's, and that's powerful. That's where the battle is being fought in the head, yes. in our mind. Uh-huh. But we don't do it alone. We don't. Yeah. God is right there empowering us, cheering for us, going, this is it right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Giving you all the weapons you need. Here you are. Yeah. And you know, Jen and Joseph, we've had this discussion that um, about doing these marriage intensives and we do three and half day marriage intensives where we sit with couples who are in severe crisis, they're on the brink of a divorce. And what you just, what you just communicated of uh, these disciplines, this is what we pass on to these couples. And at the, at the very last day, we say, if you don't practice this, you're not going to change. If you don't practice this internal self-talk, spiritual discipline of abiding in God's presence by embracing his truth, his new identity in you. And if you don't make time every day Mm. to sit with Jesus, to abide with Jesus and practice this inner dialogue of, of, of agreeing with how God sees you, you're not going to become a more loving person. Your marriage is not going to change. You're going to, you're going to go right back to your old ways. Mm -hmm. So it isn't just a matter of information. Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of listening. It's really a matter that is simply you have to apply it. You have to practice it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I like that word partnering that you just used. Um, that's exactly right. You, in that moment, you are choosing who am I going to partner with? The enemy of my soul or the living King of Kings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this moment, who do I want to partner with? Mm-hmm. Even if I doubt what he's saying about me, even if I don't feel like what yeah. he's saying is true, I'm choosing to partner with him. I'm choosing to believe him and take him at his word. God mm-hmm. has proven himself worthy of yeah. us believing him. Yeah. Another way, you know, for, you just said that really powerfully and beautifully. And I, I think it's really true. We can also articulate that same truth without using religious language. So for some of you listeners, maybe you're not a person of faith. Maybe you're just listening to this because your friend, your, your kooky Christian friend sent it, sent it to you <laughs> and said, Hey, you're really messed up. You need to listen to this. <laughs> um, you know, okay, if you're not at a place in your spiritual journey where you can do, you can name and agree with what Jen just said, you know, like, hey, I don't want to partner with Satan, the enemy, you know, the destroyer. I, I want to partner with the King of Kings, the living God, Jesus Christ, uh, whose image I'm made in. Well, then just start with, once again, this is the what if, that's fine. We don't need you to like agree with our language or to believe the same things in, you know, like I, I'm in, I'm, I want you to experience life and freedom and to, to know that what we're talking about is true. 
We can, you can cross the spirituality bridge or, or, or denomination bridge like later. Um, so if you need to just partner with your best self, your best future self, mm. uh, or partner with your worst past self, think about it that way. Mm. You know, like, Hey, if yeah. you're in pain, if you're unhappy, if you're, if you're discontent with your life, with yourself, with, you know, then, um, maybe there's a better there's a better version of you out there in the future that you can partner with, you know? Um, it's, it doesn't really, in some ways it doesn't really matter because you're posturing yourself towards life or towards death, towards openness, towards growth, towards hope and transformation or towards, you know, addiction and these like destructive patterns that just lead towards brokenness rather than flourishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And so as you're doing this process, um, I often tell people every single time you choose to believe the truth over the lie, count it as a victory. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. truly, this is going to happen at least, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I don't even know a number. One at least million, a million more times. times a day, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like 50 times a day, you are having to, you are choosing what you believe. And right now, if you're not in this process, you're not doing the work, you're probably like in my flesh, I'm choosing the lie 50 times a day. Right. Imagine if I just choose the truth three times Mm. in the day, that's three more moments where Mm -hmm. I'm walking in the truth and the peace of the Lord, the, the, the spirit um, than I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So every single day, if I could just choose the truth, just a little bit more, just one more time, one more time. This is not mm-hmm. going to happen overnight. This is a rewiring of the brain. There's those, those old habits die hard, mm-hmm. but they can die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can, you can, um, this is the redemption of our minds. Yeah. And, um, so you're not allowed to beat yourself up yeah. if you had a weak moment and you chose the lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, don't add on more shame yeah, yeah. to the process. I have to tell people that all the time. I'm like, okay, so in that moment, it was it was a hard moment and you you went with the lie. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. beat yourself up. Just every time you do choose the truth, count it as a victory and celebrate yeah. it. You know, I'm going to ground this in neuroscience for a second because this is, I you're, I love everything that you're saying, Jen. And yes, this is, hey, this is grace-based. We, we believe that we serve a God who uh, his love is manifest to us and how graciously and kindly he moves towards us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, mm-hmm. leads us to renewal, leads us to a new yeah. way of thinking and, and being, as you said, this is, this is not just theoretical or theological. This is lived incarnate wisdom and truth. Um, so in, we're not saying, hey, you need to practice from this religious or this dogmatic sort of perspective. We're just, we're just being very honest and practical yeah. that like, hey, um, you've, been, you were, you've been doing it one way for your whole life. Now you have awareness. Now you have to begin to be intentional and disciplined about practicing a new way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will become over time just as uh, ingrained in you as the old negative ones. So the neuroscience perspective, why do we have to practice? I, I'm stealing this from uh, Dr. Kurt Thompson, who wrote, has written a number of amazing books. But I was listening to a, a conversation he had on his podcast recently, and he talked about how it, it takes uh, three, like three seconds for a sh- for shame to be encoded into a memory. And so if you have an experience, it only takes three wow. seconds for that to be encoded into like into our our brain, our mind, our body, the whole kind of system. 
Um, and it takes more like 60 to 90 seconds for joy to be encoded oh into it. So wow. just yeah. that can be discouraging. Um, and it is, it is discouraging if you're unaware and you're not practicing, then man, the negativity bias is just like the odds are against you. It's gravity. It's inertia. Mm, it's right. entropy. However, we have will. I love, you know, you, there is a fork in the road. Every time you get triggered, every time you're yeah. faced with a, a, a painful situation, thought or memory, you, you have power. Mm-hmm. Now, now it may not feel like that sometimes. Yeah. And because your will is constrained at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but this process of transformation, I mean, you do grow in your power and your yeah. capacity to be able to make life-giving choices, uh, make like life-giving decisions. Yeah. And, um, and it gets easier it over gets time, easier. but you, you do have to practice. Yes. You have choice. Uh-huh. You have power. You've been given an opportunity to every moment is you choose what to believe, what to think, what to do. And even, even addicts and those like myself who have struggled with compulsive addictive behavior is I have a choice. Either I'm going to address it or I'm not going to address it. Mm -hmm. I have a choice, even though I haven't overcome the behavior, but I have a choice to want to get help or not to get help. Mm -hmm. So, but the enemy wants to uh, reinforce the negativity in our thinking that we're victims, that we're helpless. Mm -hmm. It's not my fault. And it's easy for us to go to the, the old deep rooted uh, negative thinking and habits of darkness, of failure, of unbelief, of victimization, and we have a choice. And I think that we've all we have all experienced why we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we have not experienced the grace of God. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I, I can either choose to believe and to receive, or I can choose to act out of my compulsivity. And I think the most difficult choice we have is to sit and receive. Mm. Mm. I think that's one of the hardest things for us to do is just to be able to learn to work really hard of entering into a place of rest. Mm-hmm. One of the words for I've, I've heard, one of the words for believing or faith is to relax. <laughs> and But if we've been wounded, if we've been betrayed, if we've been hurt, we don't feel safe to relax. We don't mm-hmm. feel safe to trust. We have to stay in control because, because uh, the, we're, our brain is telling us that life is not safe. Mm-hmm. And this is where Jesus comes in and says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Come all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest for your soul. So that's that invitation that we can have to take that leap of faith to then make that one step, that one choice to make a decision to say, I cannot do this on my own. I need help. I just want to encourage um, anybody who's thinking that they are under the verdict of a label, like once an addict, always an addict, Mm -hmm. or, oh, I've been given this, um, well, I went through this, so therefore I'm always going to have to struggle with this. I'm always going to have to. Language like that, that feels like you are now underneath... um, you are underneath some sort of um, title or trapping or condition or state. Um, and I'm always going like that kind of, gosh, I just want to encourage you that what Jeff is talking about, what we're describing, it's, 
it's the whole resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus' resurrection because the enemy wants us to believe that we've been chained up and that he has power over us. And that once you've been through this, this now determines mm-hmm. what your future is and yeah. that you can only go so far because you've been mm-hmm. through this thing. Yeah. And now the enemy has a little chain on you forever. But this is the point of Jesus conquering death and sin is he broke the bonds of them. He broke the chains of them, which sets you and I free that these things don't own us and they don't have power over us Mm -hmm. anymore. It feels like they do in the moment when your old habits are raising their ugly head and they're just like roaring. It feels like the old self has a lot of power. And in that moment, you get to remember the truth that it doesn't, Satan is just roaring really loud and trying to make himself really big. I, I have that image of like, you know, the little mouse who's standing next to the fire. So he casts a really big mm-hmm. shadow and the shadow yes, is what's intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what the enemy is trying to do. You got to remember he's a pipsqueak little mouse <laughs> and his power has been broken by Jesus' resurrection. The empty tomb says Satan does not have chains on you anymore. Mm-hmm. So the old self and the flesh, we're all going to keep choosing the lie sometimes because we are human and old habits are hard. And, and Joseph just pointed mm-hmm. out how we are, have a penchant for the negative. Yeah. But you need to know in the darkest of moments, you need to know Satan is just trying to roar really loud. He does not have power over me. And be encouraged that who God is, everything, the power of Christ is with you in this moment and he's helping you to choose him. Yeah. That's so helpful, Jen. And it's the reason why we spend so much time talking about identity because the lang- the language that we use is so important It as you're, as you're highlighting because it reflects what we really believe. And if I, if I walk around, like I'm not, hi, hi, my name's Joseph. I'm an addict. Um, now in a, on one level, that's true. Uh, but it's a cell, it's a, it's only helpful so far. What is much more helpful is like, Hey, no, I'm Joseph. And yeah. Um, in response to some of the pain of my own life, I learned, uh, I've got a, I've got a propensity towards, um, comp- compulsivity or addiction. And that's how I, ch- I chose to cope with some of my pain for a while. Um, that's a very different view of myself than, hi, I'm an addict. You know, it's like, no, 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 I'm me. And I I have compassion and understanding that, hey, this is a part of my story. And yeah, I do need to be mindful of it. I do need to, to make sure to, to, um, to be connected to myself, um, to not, to not fracture and fragment, to make sure that I'm connected to people and honest, like honest and transparent relationship to be plugged into a community to make sure to be serving, you know, um, these are all so important, but the language, I mean, it's, I, 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 sh- I share with you that frustration sometimes about why, why do you insist on clinging to these damning labels of, mm. of victim, yeah. you know, of powerless, of, of, of forever broken, uniquely defective. No, you don't have to. There's actually, like, we don't know, you don't know how free you could be. Yeah. The only way to find out is to try, is to, is to say yes to God's love, is to say yes to the healing journey, is to start exploring some of this. You know, I love that, 
the what if language. That's how so it was so key to me in, in my especially when I had a, a I had I had some religious trauma and so I had a really hard time with certain language and certain ideas and whatnot. And the thing that helped me is that I was so desperate that I could play the what if game saying, well, hey, what if I just try this? And if I don't like it, I don't have to keep doing it. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to keep being a Christian, you know, um, I'm free to not. Uh, but what if I just try the, um, putting aside the old cynical jaded self, putting aside the old addictive coping mechanisms. What if I just tried something new? Mm-hmm. Like I am, I'm a, I could do that. I'm a curious person. Like maybe it's fun or maybe it sucks. If it sucks, then I don't, then I won't do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, what do you discover? Oh, there's life on the far side of that. Oh, mm-hmm. you meet, you, you meet the God of the universe who's, who's tender and compassionate, yeah. who's all powerful, but who, who subordinates his power to his love. You know, he will not, force you to do anything. He will not force himself upon you. Um, he's, but he's always standing ready to invite you. Yeah. You know, as we kind of come to the end of our time here is, um, I was thinking about this practice of this, this internal spiritual discipline, Jen, that you so eloquently expressed the process of how we need to walk in our truth. And, and I thought about, so, what would, um, if we looked at Jesus in his life, what would that look like? What would that look like in his lifestyle? Yeah. And it's, I want to make this really, really simple. Mm-hmm. And it is the place where Jesus would spend time with his father. So that internal discipline of living out of your heart, of transforming your old man and dying to yourself and picking up the cross and discovering you who you are in Christ is it's really simple, simply called prayer. Yeah. I mean, we're really talking about our prayer line of, of being able to spend time with the Father and with Jesus. And that's what Jesus did when he was with his father. The, uh, there are about eight or nine times in the scriptures where we see Jesus practice this, this inner dialogue with his father, which reveals to us, models to us our utter dependence upon the Father. Yeah. We cannot do this. This isn't just some inner dialogue. It is more than that. It is a connection with our Heavenly Father. It's that living in that place of abiding with Him because we know mm-hmm. that God isn't some far off distant. The Father has now taken residence by His Spirit in our own heart, that He dwells within us. So, the divine practice of prayer is critical that we need to look at our lifestyle. We need to look at the rhythm of our life. If we want to become, we need to really model what Jesus did. And we see that what Jesus did is he would spend time all night mm. with the Father. I mean, how much time, I'm just being honest myself, how much time have I ever spent with the Father? I mean, spending <laughs> all night How long have in you prayer? Yeah. How long do I pray? And it's just... And he's the son of God. And so he's modeling that you cannot become until you learn to depend and rely and abide and rest in our relationship with the Father through the Holy Mm -hmm, Spirit. mm -hmm. So Jesus modeled that he would spend all night in dialogue, hearing from the Father. And we see in Luke chapter 6, this divine order Mm -hmm. of how 
the inner discipline of prayer, of solitude, is critical to our becoming transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We need solitude. We need time away. We need to be still. We need to be silent. We need to slow down. And mm-hmm. that is hard today in this day and age. Yep. And then we see then Luke chapter 6, after he spends time with the Father, he comes down from the mountain and then he creates a community and he calls his disciples. He chooses his 12 disciples. And so we cannot be transformed into the image of Christ. We cannot become more loving until we have a community. Mm-hmm. And Jesus desired and needed a community. Even the Son of God desired and needed a community, and he called his 12 disciples, and there are many others mm-hmm. that lived in his community, this place called sacred community. So not only do we need to practice foremost and, and make a priority of solitude and silence, but then we need the sacred place of community. We need sacred community. Um, we cannot do this in isolation. Mm-hmm. We need we need a community of people around us that can help speak into our life, as you shared earlier, Jen. And and then the third discipline is any served. So we see there was solitude and silence. Then he established a sacred community, the discipline of sacred community. Then we see that he together. Then he went into the multitudes and he began to heal the sick and he cast out demons and he. Um, led people into his into the kingdom. So there is a divine order to becoming. Mm. Mm. And the question I've had to ask myself it's, is that what which particular discipline um, do I need to grow in? You know, and some of us are more social activists, so we want to serve. We want to see justice, so we're going to spend more time in community. We're going to be out there and just want to make sure that that the, we're changing our culture. And then others of us. We'd rather be a desert father. Yeah, <laughs> we'd rather go in contemplation and just spend all night in prayer and just mm-hmm. and 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 yet we see that looking at the life of Jesus, there's a rhythm and there's a there's a divine order mm-hmm. that we need to learn to practice all three of these spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. As you were describing that, what was occurring to me is that how much of the becoming process is. It's all about the truth. It's, it's, that is the crux piece that shifts what we're believing, that knowing the truth, abiding in the truth, saturating ourselves with the truth is everything. And so as you're describing this, the solitude and the prayer is how we are learning the truth. We're mm-hmm. hearing the truth from the Lord. Mm-hmm. That solitude is allowing all those other voices that come at us all the time to just go away. Mm. And the only voice you're hearing is the voice of the Lord who is repeating and helping you saturate yourself in the truth in what he is saying about you. And then you come down that mountain into community <laughs> and you bounce that truth off of others That's good. and you get to actually practice that truth and it's lived out. Mm-hmm. And so any of the little rough edges that you're like, I think this is what's true. And it bounces off against somebody you're like, Ooh, that's challenging. Is it still true? And you keep <laughs> Got to go back up that mountain, check it with the Lord, and you come back down. You're like, "Yep, okay." So, p- community is where we get to live out and practice mm. that truth, and mm-hmm. it solidifies it more for us. And then, oh man, when we serve, it's that truth in action. That's good. Yeah. And honestly, when you serve and you see that truth setting other people free, it 
reaffirms it for us. And you go, I really now know even more so that it is really, truly true mm-hmm. because I have seen it set other people free That's too. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's that reciprocal yeah. reinforcement. That's right. Um, friends, it is all about, you got to, oh, to press into the Lord and let and abide in him mm-hmm. so that you may saturate yourself and know that you know that you know what he says about who you are and who I am and what we are mm-hmm. about this world. It's his world, people. Yeah. yeah, It's his voice that matters most. I love that you... Oh, geez, Jen, are you a preacher? Can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, Let's no, don't apologize. <laughs> don't apologize at all. Um, I love, Jeff, that, that question that you gave us. What a powerful tool. Which area of the three that you named... Uh, you know, there's the, the individual kind of horizontal, mm-hmm. that's the prayer relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, on prayer really quick, some of us might hear prayer. You say, oh gosh, a night of spending a night in prayer. Like that's impossible. <laughs> that sounds exhausting, you know, because, but maybe it's just, it's, you have a limited perspective of what prayer is. You know, this is not just the, you're sitting there asking God for stuff or you're, you're talking the whole time. Part of, you know, what Jen, you're beautifully describing for us is that no, 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 prayer is this the silence, the solitude, these disciplines, they, they bring us to a, a place of quietness. We're so used to running. Your mind is running all mm. of the time. And we are constant. we're addicted to activity and achievement and, uh, you know, and to pleasure. And to, so we're constantly moving and running. And prayer is these practices of slowing down, like you said, Jeff, and um, becoming still and quiet so that we can hear. So, sorry, I just, I, I love, I just wanted to make that one aside that for those of us that hear prayer and immediately think talking, uh, yeah. it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you got the, the whole, the vertical individual one, which then morphs into the horizontal communal relational one, which then moves out into the world to serve and to love, to bless, to be people of love and healing and yeah. hope in a, a world that's broken and disjointed and torn by war and racism and all the, all the isms. Um, but that question of balance is so important. I love how you named that some of us, uh, have natural propensities or yeah. inclinations uh-huh. towards one of these three centers. And so, um, but if you're not careful, if you're, if you're trying to do it alone, like it, it can be easy to become uncentered. And so we, we just we gravitate towards one and it gets lopsided. And what happens when things get lopsided or out of whack is that they become destructive. You know, so I, even when you're describing this beautiful, uh, you know, uh, role that truth is playing and how it's getting lived out and, and driven deeper into us and it's proving itself to be reliable as you just did so beautifully. I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, this is part of how certain people, certain organizations, certain churches, part of the, the unfortunate part of the church's tradition is that, you know, we'd go out to serve and man, we'd do it and we'd colonize instead. Mm. We'd go out to Mm. serve and we'd abuse instead. We'd go out under the guise of serving or loving the world. And we just are trying to control other people's morality or behavior or perspective Mm. because there was imbalance somewhere. But if we're properly balanced if we're integrated, if we if we understand we can't do this alone, we need community, we need to co- these these dis- different disciplines, then it ensures when we go to move out into the world 
And that could be, when I say move out into the world, it's any place in your life. That could be inside of your family. That could be in your workplace. That could be, you know, like whatever, on the little league team. Um, loving outward towards others. Yeah. When we're loving outward towards others, we can do it in a way that is non-controlling, that is not abusive, that is safe, that is invitational, that takes, that honors them, you know, and honors God. And it's, I mean, when, I don't care who you are, what faith background or, you know, or, or where you're at on the spiritual spectrum or journey, when you see that sort of love in action, when you meet a, a person who is characterized from the inside out, who has, has said yes to becoming and who's being fueled, not by ego or desire for power or, you know, fame or money or what or pleasure or whatever, but they're being fueled by this self-giving love fueled by the love that they have are experiencing and receiving from the father. As you, as you put it, Jeff, those people are contagious. I want to be around. I want to be in the room. That's right. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, man, what, how, where do I get me some of what you got? Yeah. And that's really, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think we can sense the work of the Holy Spirit. We can sense that in the spirit, the natural outflow of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, long suffering, self-control. We can, we actually, it's a, it's a fruit. It comes naturally, supernaturally when we're walking in the spirit and, but we always have to get back to what what is the root? What's the reference? What's what's the compass? And that's why even as we're moving as a church here, we're moving more in the direction of discipleship. Is that we have to maintain the reality that the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, will only be reduced to tradition, to moral discipline, to behavioral modification, to Bible memorization, if it is not preceded by the new commandment, by the great commandment. So what drives, what drives healthy discipleship is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And there's those three disciplines, mm-hmm. is, we, is to abide in Christ, to know and to receive and to experience the love of Christ as you said, Jen, and be able to practice those truths that you are loved, you're highly valued, you're deeply loved, you're greatly blessed, is to practice those. And we have to practice and we have to meditate. We have to sit in that truth. We have to let it, we have to let it just uh, to cultivate that reality. As, mm. And as you said, Joseph, and it's a neurological issue. We have to rewire our brain. We have to renew the mind by changing no neural pathways that it becomes that which is unnatural now becomes natural and supernatural, then it flows from, from the inside out where we truly now, not yeah. only do we know yeah. the love of God, but we cannot help but mm-hmm. give it away. We can't help but want to give our lives away to pick up mm-hmm. our cross and to give our lives because that's who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. His love was manifested that he was willing to go to the cross and to carry all of our sin to to carry all of our burdens and our suffering and our pain. And it's ironic that when we experience the love of Christ, we will do the same thing. Mm -hmm. We will sacrifice ourselves Mm -hmm. because that's where the fulfillment and the joy and the pleasure of truly being a Christ follower is. Mm -hmm. We will sacrifice ourselves with joy. With great joy. Not, Not grimly, you know, with this stoic resignation. It's like, no... For the joy set before mm. him, Christ endured the cross right. and 
scorned its shame, right? So on the far side of the cross was his, was God's good pleasure and joy, Yeah, you know, and it's the same for us, which I mean, once you, once you encounter this, this truth, it changes everything because then, yeah, you, the interruptions in life are no longer interruptions. They're invitations to mm. care for somebody, yeah, to, to slow down, to not be a, uh, a person who's so self-absorbed, but to stop and love the person, you know, in front, in front of you, who's crying out in need. And it's not this annoyance. It's this delight. Oh my goodness. I get to love this person. I get to, I get to remind them that, like you said, they are deeply loved. They're highly valued. They're greatly blessed. Mm -hmm. They're not alone. They are seen, Mm -hmm. you know, they are heard and there's nothing better than that. And I swear, I don't know how it all works out, but you still have time. You still have time to get all of your, the the things done that you're responsible for. So we're not describing some romantic, once again, hippy dippy, like, you know, Oh, just walk around. You're just like a, you know, flower child, just walking around aimlessly (laughs) through the world. No, 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 no. You, you, it's, you clarify, you become this person who's capable of loving deeply and sacrificially of moving towards pain and brokenness. And when it comes at you, when something happens, it goes sideways, your, your life blows up in some capacity, you know, um, cause we're still human because we can't control everything. Well then you, you, you may not be instantaneous. We may respond with grief and, and anger and mad, you know, but we're able to eventually switch and to realize, oh, even in the midst of this suffering, um, God is present and God is good. And I know I've got a passage that I want to read, and but Jen's got one. So I'm curious, Jen, <laughs> what is it, the one that you have? Oh, I was just, as you guys are talking, I'm just thinking, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us. Mm. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. Yeah. And like that, this, this process of becoming, of abiding in the truth, in abiding yeah. in God and letting him really speak over us and mm. receiving it from him, it's how love is made complete. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that just that image right there, I mean, I got to go sit with that. What does that even mean to, wow. to yeah. experience complete love, mm-hmm. perfect love, the love that casts out fear? Mm. That's anxiety, folks. Like, yeah. like we're talking about, can you imagine not being afraid uh, yeah. because love has been made complete oh, man. Um, in us and in our experience and how we treat each other and treat our families? Um, this is, this is, why we're here. And yeah. this is why we hope you've stuck with us on this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The longing of our hearts is that we might experience this personally. Yes. But with each other. Yes. And, mm. and for all of you, mm-hmm. um, it's why we called this free to love. We really do want chains to be broken off of you mm-hmm. and that you may be transformed from pain to peace because God has a fullness of life, a fullness of purpose, a fullness of experience that his, his love may be made complete in you and in this world. Mm-hmm. That's our heartbeat. And we hope that um, you're experiencing that. Amen. Amen. Um, it feels like we're coming to a close and I, I want to offer this, this passage. I, I can't remember if I've referenced it earlier in the season, but it's become such an important one for me um, on a plaque in the prayer garden at Fuller, where I used to go, um, 
especially when it, Fuller was a wonderful season for me, and it was one that was marked by a lot of chaos and pain and brokenness and I would, weariness. And I'd go to the prayer garden, and there's a plaque that had Isaiah 30, um, 15 on it. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest mm. is your salvation. Their translation said, in returning and rest. In returning and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Now listen to the rest of this. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountain, like a banner on a hill, alone, exposed, vulnerable. That's what that's saying. I prefer my fast horse coping mechanisms to the slow work of God's transforming love, of his rest, of his quietness. So then, yeah, so get this, verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Mm. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Wow. Then get this. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. That's it, folks. That's the picture of what saying yes to becoming looks like. Don't you, don't you see how it's God who does all of the work there? He does the heavy lifting and a transformation happens. You see the you see us going from being the ones who say, no, I want to flee on my fast horse. Because I know better. Because I know better. To, we, we are transformed from being these people who have these idols overlaid in gold and silver, these things that we think that we want that will give us peace and joy and meaning and significance. And we realize all, we wake up to the reality that those things are garbage. They're menstrual clods. Like ew, get away, get away from me. You know, that's the transformation is that profound. And the three of us have been sitting in this room for 20 episodes. We've been sitting in rooms with groups of people who have said yes to this healing journey. You know, we've sat in, uh, we've sat in the counselor's chair and we sat in the patient's chair mm-hmm. and we're here to tell you it is real. It is possible. Becoming who you really are, becoming free to love is God's deepest desire for you. And it is your deepest desire whether you realize it or not. And we hope that this journey that you've taken with us is, has been one that's brought you closer to the source. It's not Jeff. It's not Jen. You know, it's not me. We're just, we're, we're just here bearing witness to the, the profound love of God that we have all encountered that has come and found us in the dark corners where we used to hide, brought us into the light and has clothed us in majesty now. 
Amen. We're all badly broken, but deeply loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Preach it, Joseph. (laughs) Good job. I I think I'd like us to end um, with a blessing. Who's got a... Jeff, do you have a blessing in you to offer everyone? Sure. Father, we be... We want to be an instrument of your blessing to others. So, Father, those who who have been with us in these uh, different episodes and those who are listening right now, Father, we are praying by your Spirit that you would pour out, pour out your blessing on them. Mm-hmm. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would turn their curses into blessing. Mm-hmm. Father, we pray that you would turn their pain into peace. Father, we we pray that where there has been tragedy and adversity and conflict and trauma, Lord. Mm-hmm. We pray, Father, that they would experience a deep, deep presence of your hope, of your joy. So, Father, we speak, we speak your favor over a lost humanity, over broken hearts, mm-hmm. over victimization and brokenness. Lord, we speak your blessing that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We, we thank you, Father, God, that where sin has abound, that grace superabounds. And so we speak that truth into the listeners. Father, we ourselves embrace that reality, mm-hmm. that truth. And Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to do a, a profound work of revival in our community. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray that you would transform our communities, our churches into a a radiant light in a dark world. Father, we pray that your spirit would do a deep inner healing into the hearts uh, of of your people, Lord. And we pray that 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 would be a ripple effect that that would begin to change our communities, our neighborhoods. So we're so grateful, Jesus. We love you so much, and thank you, Father, that you are the blessed one, and you call us your beloved ones. Amen. Amen. Thanks, friends. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or need help, or for more information about how to take the next step in your healing journey, please feel free to email us at ftlpod at northcoastcalvary.org or head over to the relationshipresource.org to learn about what classes and resources are available to support you. A big thanks to North Coast Calvary Chapel and the Relationship Resource for making this podcast possible. Our podcast was directed and produced by Joseph Carlson and edited by Nate King. Original music by the one and only Brian McMaster. <laughs>